This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey, movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your start for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. How are you doing, Monica? Been to Japan lately? No, but I'd sure like to go. Really? I wouldn't. I hear that bad things happen to people over there. But it's so pretty. And there's cherry blossom flowers, which make for great pictures. There are also gangsters and evil mutants that will aid you in your search for a meaningful death. That's everywhere in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> this is episode number 59 of Cinema Fix, focused on the movie The Wolverine. If you're new to Cinema Fix, basically this is the show on Film Geek Radio, focused on in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. We are here to satisfy your addiction to quality conversation about the movies, and each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part, which you're listening to right now, is a 10-minute long spoiler-free review of the film. That way you can get an idea of what we thought about it and whether or not it's worth your time to check out. The second part is a much more in-depth analytical discussion that does contain spoilers, so if you've seen the film and you would appreciate that type of conversation about what works and what doesn't, definitely listen to part two. This week, we're going to be talking about The Wolverine. Monica, why don't you give our listeners a little information about the movie? This entry into the X-Men franchise was directed by James Mangold, and it's set after the events of X-Men The Last Stand. The Wolverine finds Logan nearly suicidal after the death of Jean Grey, and he is called to Japan by Yoshida, played by Hal Yamanuchi, a man who wishes to repay him for saving his life during World War II. But when Yoshida's granddaughter is kidnapped, Logan discovers a conspiracy that may give him the honorable death he wishes for. Dum-dum-dum! Here's a clip. This sword is hundreds of years old. It was named Danza by the first samurai who used it. Danza means separator in Japanese. The ideal weapon for separating head and limb from body. Like so. I'm parked him back. Okay, Monica, what did you think of The Wolverine? I thought, actually, for the most part, it was pretty entertaining. It was not Wolverine Origins, so there's that. It would take a lot for a movie to be as bad as X-Men Origins Wolverine. Not really. <laughs> I feel like this has been done before, so they could definitely have done it again. And I think a lot of people were bracing for it. So when they go in and then they see a half-decent movie, it's kind of like, wow, that wasn't, that wasn't bad. And I think everyone's kind of like near that consensus, more or less, majority of people at least. So I had fun. I think it falls apart towards the end. But otherwise, it explores a lot of the character of Wolverine. It has fun with it. Um, of course, we're taken to Japan, so that's totally different than where we've seen other X-Men. 
And of course, I, I'm a big Hugh Jackman fan, so I'm kind of, I'm okay with this. This redeemed Hugh Jackman for me after Les Mis, so I'm okay. Well, be honest, Monica. How much of your love for Hugh Jackman in this film is because he does a good job, and how much is because he spends a great portion of the movie shirtless? I mean, equal parts. Okay. As long as we're being honest. I think he does a good job. I mean, some of it's kind of hokey, but, you know, does the screaming and angry fighting parts well. I agree with you. I liked this movie. I think that the last act approaches X-Men Origins level awfulness. Yes. I think it really falls apart and doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But up until then, it's a lot of fun. And I'm glad that they seem to have completely forgotten X-Men Origins to a large extent. They basically have shot the audience with amnesia bullets. (laughs) They're just hoping that we have forgotten that travesty. So this uh, Wolverine movie picks up right after the events of X-Men The Last Stand. And sure, it's been a while since everyone's seen that movie, but as long as you remember how that movie ended, you'll be okay. Yeah. Jean Grey is gone. People are sad. Wolverine becomes the lone wolf once more. The end. Yeah. It's so nice to have a superhero movie that's actually trying to be about stuff. It's trying to be about characters going through meaningful inner conflict. It's easier when it's just one character that you have to develop, really. That's true, but then why couldn't they have done that with Iron Man 3 or Man of Steel? Well, I'm with you on the Man of Steel part. Iron Man 3 was interesting because they gave him that whole PTSD syndrome. Yeah, they did nothing with it, though. Yeah, he kind of cures it. He wills himself out of it or whatever. Wolverine in this movie is dealing with some PTSD of his own, and I found it much more compelling. It was like, oh, look, they're actually developing that. Wait, is it because there's a girl involved? What do you mean? Well, because his PTSD is that he's lost Jean Grey, that he was the one that murdered, he killed her. Yes. Uh, So it's that guilt. Yes. Whereas Iron Man 3, it was something that he experienced, that he witnessed. So it's more along the lines of an experienced trauma. Well, in Iron Man 3, I felt like they brought it up and then they really didn't do anything with it and they didn't develop it or conclude that idea in Mm -hmm. any meaningful way. But this movie is all about trauma and life and death and mortality. Forgiveness. Forgiveness, yeah. yeah. And they really do their best to develop those themes and really make you feel for what Wolverine's going through. And it worked for me most of the time, and I was just really impressed with how well they pulled it off. I'm also impressed with the fact that they kind of give Wolverine a new love interest in this movie. This is true. And I was expecting that to completely fall apart. But again, Mm -hmm. most of the time, at least until the ending, that worked for me. So I I really like, overall, this entry into the X-Men series. I think it's probably the third best uh, behind X-Men 1 and X-Men 2. It's probably tied neck and neck with First Class. Okay. Yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it. To be fair, there there is no solid bromance in Wolverine that can rival First Class. Because that one was one for the ages, man. (laughs) I guess that's true. 
<laughs> Fassbender and McAvoy bromance. <laughs> Can't wait for that sequel. I will say there's actually some pretty good action scenes in this movie as well. Oh, I love that you could see them. Yeah. Sometimes. I will say there's sometimes that shaky cam happened and I'm like, just stop. Stop moving. I want to see what's going on. <laughs> well, I, I think the, one of the biggest flaws in this movie, other than the, uh, the third act, is the fact that it's PG-13. Oh, it becomes so obvious. Where you should have, like, mortal spurting wound and it cuts above, like, the shoulders. <laughs> yes. In any time you're dealing with a guy like Wolverine, who basically does nothing but go around slashing people, I mean, this is material that demands to be rated R and to have <laughs> lots of blood. But no, no, no. He also cauterizes the arteries while he cuts. Yeah, it, it's really Apparently. weird. Uh, because there, there's no blood in this movie, or barely any blood. Barely. It's PG-13. And I saw someone mention on t- something on Twitter that was pretty accurate. Someone said, you know, in several of these shots, if the camera was just six inches to the side, this would be an NC-17. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those would be guts coming out. Yeah. And then it would be the perfect midnight movie. I've heard a lot of people say that they're surprised it got a PG-13 because there's one scene in particular where the implications are pretty gruesome. But even that scene to me felt very safe because there is no blood and the way they shoot it, you can just tell they're really going for the PG-13. Like they're trying to show the least amount of blood possible. No, they really do. I think I know the which scene you're talking about, so that we could talk about that in spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about the Wolverine before we wrap things up for part one? No, it's uh, it's maybe a C. It's passable grade. I don't say stop what you're doing and run out to go see it, but it's definitely a good thing to catch on FX one weekend. Also, 3D does absolutely nothing for it. Oh, well, I saw it in 2D. Most press screenings, they, they try to make us do it in 3D because that's what the way they want people to see it. But man, I could have taken off my glasses and nothing would have changed. Well, the script was written by Christopher McQuarrie, who wrote The Usual Suspects, who wrote, has written a lot of stuff for Brian Singer, most recently directed Jack Reacher. And I think it's a pretty good script until that third act, and then I just want to go, what are you doing, Christopher? What are you doing? <laughs> no, bad Christopher, bad. Was this your fault or was this James Mangold's fault? Who do I blame? <laughs> <laughs> I, I want names. I want answers. Andrew, you can't handle the truth. All right, that'll wrap it up for part one of our episode on the Wolverine here on Cinema Fix. Don't forget to tune into part two for a much more in-depth discussion and look at the film And don't forget to tune in next week when we will be discussing Two Guns. You're going to make me watch that. Well, I'm having to watch it too, Monica. The things we do for this show. Two Guns, Two Critics. Yeah. We would love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the program. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Thin Place, Navigating the Newsroom, and our latest show, all about the Showtime series, Dexter, Avenging Angels. 
and mine, Nerdy Projectors. Yeah, Monica, where can people find you online? I have another show on Film Geek Radio called Nerdy Projectors, and people can also find me online on Twitter and Tumblr at mcastimovies, that's M-C-A-S-T-I movies, and they can find my reviews reposted on the Boston Online Film Critics Association website at bofca.com. You can find some of my writing at filmgeekradio.com and moviemezzanine.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And a fun speaking high on cinema. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio. Yeah.